At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. I'm Dr. Sabrina Steerwell, and I'm Everyday Einstein, bringing you quick and dirty tips to help you make sense of science. Whenever I go to the optometrist, I dread the question, how many hours a day do you typically spend at the computer? Should I generously round down, read, lie, so as not to horrify her with my answer? The truth is, I spend a whopping 12 hours a day at my computer or smartphone. Doctors have suspected for a while that such extended small screen time could lead to nearsightedness, a condition where objects far away appear blurry. But new studies are showing that time spent out in the sun could also play a role. So what really causes nearsightedness? Is myopia genetic? Can we prevent or eventually correct myopia? When you view something like the sunrise or your cup of coffee in the morning, your eye works much like a camera lens to gather and then focus the incoming light. When the light first reaches your eye and enters through the cornea, the clear front window to your eye, the light rays arrive at a range of angles. The bend in your cornea then focuses that light or draws those light rays together so they are instead in a narrow beam that can then enter through a smaller hole, your pupil. This bending is called refraction. Your iris, the colored part of your eye, acts like the camera's shutter by opening and closing to let more or less light in through the pupil. Once the light passes through the lens, it is focused on a thin layer of nerve cells on the back of your eye called your retina. The nerve cells, called rods and cones because of their shapes, waiting on the retina, interpret the incoming information, how bright or dim an object is, how near or far, what angle the light is approaching from, etc. for the optic nerve, which relays the information to your brain. For people who are nearsighted or have difficulty seeing things that are far away, light rays passing through the eye's lens fall short of reaching the back of the eye and instead get focused just in front of the retina. This can happen when the eyeball's overall shape is elongated or when the cornea is too strongly curved. People with normal visual acuity are said to have 20-20 vision, meaning they can see clearly and sharply something at 20 feet when that object is at a distance of 20 feet away. Someone with myopia may instead have 20-100 vision, They have to be 20 feet away from something that a person with normal vision could see clearly and sharply from a distance of 100 feet. The American Optometric Association estimates that 30% and rising of the population are nearsighted, making it a pretty common condition. Myopia can start in childhood and then continue to progress as our eyeballs continue to grow, usually until the age of about 20. Adults can also develop myopia later in life and eventually require the help of reading glasses. For some people, having myopia only means having to put on glasses or contact lenses to watch a movie, see the chalkboard in school, or drive a car. For others, like my friend who has to put his glasses in the same spot every night before bed or else he won't be able to see to find them in the morning, corrective lenses need to be worn all the time. If your level of myopia is relatively low, you may choose to correct it with glasses or regular contact lenses. Both corrective lenses work the same way, by bending the light before it reaches your eye so that your eye is able to focus the light correctly. 
Another non-surgical correction for myopia is corneal refractive therapy, which works to reshape the cornea by wearing a series of rigid corrective lenses. These lenses work much like braces do on your teeth and place pressure on the cornea to flatten it. If you are not a fan of putting lenses in your eyes or have trouble keeping track of your glasses, there are surgical corrections for myopia that involve either implanting a corrective lens on top of the natural lens or by replacing the natural lens altogether. These surgeries are called refractive surgeries and are regularly used for patients with cataracts or cloudy spots on their eyes, and thus in their vision. Laser surgeries can also remove the tiny amounts of tissue from the cornea in order to reshape it and thus change where it focuses incoming light. Many people who undergo laser surgery end up with perfect 2020 vision afterward. So what causes myopia? Well, doctors aren't entirely sure because it's likely a mix of a few factors. There is clearly an observed genetic link. Two parents with myopia are more likely to have a myopic child. Dozens of genes have also been associated with an increased chance of having myopia. However, myopia is on the rise at a rate that is too fast to be explained purely through genetics. There are also many children, like me, who have two parents with perfect vision but still develop myopia in grade school. Clearly, lifestyle must be a contributing factor. Doctors have known for a long time that myopia can also be caused by overuse or stress on your eye, such as when you force the eyes to do a lot of focusing on nearby objects, like books or computer screens. As long as 400 years ago, the astronomer Johannes Kepler blamed his own nearsightedness on his extended hours of study. In the 19th century, students were encouraged to use headrests, much like the ones we prop our chins in when we get an eye test, to stop their eyes from getting too close to their books. Even if you don't have myopia yourself, you may have even experienced a temporary or so-called pseudo-myopia after a long period of intense work, perhaps after a marathon study session or work on a project. After binging on screen time, sometimes your eyes need some time to be able to focus on more distant things again. However, recent research into the causes of myopia is starting to turn up an even more important factor than book or computer work, time spent outside. Two separate studies have confirmed this theory. A 2007 study of 500 children in California led by Dr. Donald Muddy and his collaborators came to the same conclusion as Dr. Catherine Rose and her team did in their study of 4,000 children in Australia conducted around the same time. The result? Children who spent less time outdoors had a higher chance of getting myopia. The benefit of being outdoors seems to be anchored in the increased light exposure, but the specifics of why this works are still being explored. Some doctors believe that the additional bright light causes a release of the neurotransmitter dopamine in the retina, which stops any elongation from happening. As we learned in the earlier Everyday Einstein episode on anxiety, neurotransmitters are chemicals that aid in passing information along the gaps between our neurons so that our brain can communicate with the rest of our body. Not all doctors agree that the link between light exposure and nearsightedness is so clear, in part because most of the studies connecting the two rely on sometimes inaccurate self-reporting of daily activities. More studies are needed in this active area of research that is becoming an issue for more and more of the population. In the meantime, getting more time outside, or at least time away from technology, either for yourself or for your children, can't hurt. I know I'll be headed to the park this weekend. Well, as soon as it stops raining. Until next time, this is Dr. Sabrina Stairwalt with Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Helping You Make Sense of Science. You can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook or follow me on Twitter where I'm at QDT Einstein. If you have a question that you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com. Hey, Everyday Einstein fans. If you like listening to my podcast, why not subscribe to our Quick and Dirty Tips newsletters? 
you'll get exclusive content, offers, and more delivered right to your inbox. Just head over to quickanddirtytips.com slash newsletters to learn more. That's quickanddirtytips.com slash newsletters. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.